Lake, good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Oh, it's better than I thought this Labor Day. Hey, if we haven't met yet, uh, my name is Paul Dacus. I'm the uh, student director here at Refuge. Uh, all right, so the, uh, this week is the last one-off sermon before we jump into the book of Ephesians. So if you are new here, I saw a couple new people here. What we do is we, uh, we do expository preaching, which means we take a book of the Bible and we go verse by verse and work our way through it. Don't skip anything. We can't skip the hard stuff. So we don't do a lot of these one-off sermons, but this will be uh, the last one before we jump into the book of Ephesians and we walk through the entire book. But uh, what I wanted to do today is actually take you all through the first two topics and sermons that we've been going through in students. Uh, so students, you're going to hear these again. We're going to go a little, bit, a little bit deeper into them. But uh, actually, I do want to take a side note on that as well. If you are a parent of a student, and really for any, any parent in general, uh, there's something happening in students where there is a, we ask everyone, you know, besides coming and hanging out uh, and, you know, just being here, what do you want to take away from being here? And there's an overwhelming, I want to know how to read the Bible. I want to have a personal relationship with Jesus. I want to just know God deeper. And so, parents, I'm just asking you, open your Bibles with your kids. Uh, do this during the week. If you're not already doing this, uh, man, there's a hunger for it for more students. And so it's awesome to see. And so I just encourage you, feed that as we go through that. All right, so we're going to be going through two questions. The first one, uh, what is the gospel? It sounds, you know, I know a few of us are probably like, man, we talk about this all the time. And uh, here we're going to talk about the gospel again, but we're going to answer this question, what is the gospel? And I think, uh, I think it might be a little bit different from what you've heard before. The second one is, what does God see when he sees you? And so that kind of begs the question, so if we have this gospel, what do we do with it? And how does God see us? So those are the two things we're going to go through today. All right, so what is the gospel? So I'm going to do something first. Uh, I want you all to, on the count of three, yell a color. Are you ready? So on the count of three, I want you to yell a color. One, two, three. What did we all just say? What did we say? You don't know? Okay. Let's try it again. Okay. I want you to yell a color on three. Ready? One, two, three. Three. Phil, what did we say? You said blue. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, All right. Let's try this. I'm going to give you the answer So what I said was, I want you to yell a color. So now that you have the text, and I'm half Canadian, so I got to, you know, and I do have family listening, so we got to add that in. Thank you. So on the count of three, we're going to yell a color. Ready? One, two, three. A color. What did we say? There we go. What did we say? There we go. So now we have the same answer, right? So... Maybe you see where I'm going with this, but we all have these different uh, ideas of the gospel, or maybe we read, the gospel is saturated in, in through scripture, it's what the whole scripture is about, uh, but if you go different places, you might hear different versions of the gospel, right? So what I want to do today is I want to get us on the same page, just like we all had all these different things, which are not wrong, we heard a lot of different colors, we're renovating a house, uh, so I, I know... Uh, what eggshell white is, and what's it, what is it, livable green? Is that the other one? 
all these weird ones. Anyway, so we, we had a lot of good answers, right? But we all want to get on the same page about what is the gospel. So, and for Christians here specifically, if I went up and I asked you, or if you had somebody else ask you, what is the gospel? And they went up and they said, okay, I, I don't want to hear your, like, show me in this book that you believe, what is the gospel? Where would you take them? And maybe you have an answer for that. Maybe you know, okay, I'm going to take them here, I'm going to read through it. If you don't, I do want us to get on the same page uh, today. So uh, if you're taking notes, write down 1 Corinthians 15. And I love this. This is the, uh, uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians. This is a very clear, very clear uh, example of the gospel. He just lays it out very clearly to us. But he also has three different arguments that we can see in here of why we can believe this too. So 1 Corinthians 15, if you can turn there with me. So while you're turning there, we're going to see these three things. First is the authority of Scripture. So he's going to talk first and foremost about the authority of Scripture. Next, he's going to talk about this actually happened. So not only did the Bible or did the Scripture say this is going to happen, but this actually happened. And then lastly, he's going to go into his personal experience. So those are the three things. If you're taking notes, those are the three things that we're going to go through today through 1 Corinthians 15. So let's jump into the text. 1 Corinthians 15 says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I, deli- for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Say first importance with me. And say received. Here it is. This is it right here. This is the the gospel in a nutshell, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers, say 500 brothers, at one time, most of whom are still alive though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely uh, untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, Though it was not I, say not I, but the grace of God, say the grace of God, that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believe. So what can we take here? So what is the gospel? We have that little chunk in there that is just clear as day. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. You notice in accordance with the scriptures there, repeated multiple times. And I think there's a reason for that. So first off, Paul goes straight to the authority of scripture. You know, it's like he goes straight to what does scripture say. That's what we should be doing as well. Personal experience is good. You know, seeing it, tasting it is good. But what do the scriptures say? You know, someone could say, well, I don't, I don't believe in the Bible. Like, you can't argue from the Bible. I don't believe it. Well, you may have heard it said this way. I think it's the best way to describe it. You know, if someone's coming up to stab you with a knife, you'd be like, ah, I don't believe in that knife. 
So it's not going to hurt me, right? Well, you get stabbed by a knife, it's going to hurt, right? That's the, that's the scripture. So you don't have to believe it, but it's true. But he goes first to the scriptures. He says, this will happen. The scriptures say that this is going to happen. That's why we should believe it. That's why we should believe it. Because it's true. Secondly, he goes into, this actually happened. So it's just as real as what's happening right now. If you believe that, you're, that I'm up here talking to you, then you can believe this. If you believe that you can see these things, you can touch the, the chair, you can feel it. If you can believe that, you can rely on Scripture because it actually happened. He said, he appeared to Cephas. Who's Cephas, by the way? Anybody know? Peter, yep. Uh, then to the twelve. Uh, Then to James, he appeared to more than 500 brothers, most of whom are still alive. So that's just like, you know, you knew at some point, uh, you read it somewhere, maybe saw it online, that you were going to be, that the Refuge Church is going to be meeting at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning, right? It said it was going to happen, and then uh, you came here, and it's happening, right? Uh, We don't have live video today, but uh, somewhere, I think, or maybe we're recording it, so maybe somebody listening, they could could hear it, they'd be like, well, I don't know, I mean, I, I hear it, but I don't know if it's actually happening. But I could be like, well, ask, there's all these people here that heard it. You know, you, and you guys could tell someone who wasn't here, like, yeah, I showed up, and uh, I heard it was going to happen. I showed up, there was worship, uh, there was bald-headed weird guy yelling at me, and it happened, though, right? Just like that, that's how much we can believe Scripture, because there was more than 500 people, and he says, whom, uh, most of whom are still alive today. Go ask them. It happened. So scripture said it was going to happen. First and foremost, that's the most important thing. And then he says it happened. It actually happened. I love this quote from uh, Dr. Vody Bauckham. Uh, when he's asked or when he preaches on why we can believe the, uh, the Bible, he says, I choose to believe the Bible because it is a reliable collection of historical documents written down by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. They reported supernatural events that took place in fulfillment of specific prophecies and claimed that their writings are divine rather than human in origin. He's basically saying this. We can believe the Bible because, one, the scriptures say it, it hap- or is going to happen, and two, it actually happened. It actually happened. Lastly, we hear Paul talk about his personal experience. So scripture said it was going to happen, uh, there's tons of people around that saw it happen, and also I, I saw it. Jesus came to me. So we can take this and we can, we can be tempted to you know, say our, talk about our personal uh, testimonies, and those are important, right? Revelation does say that he will be defeated, he being Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. So our testimonies, our stories are important but I don't want us to take away from this. Your story is not the gospel. It's not the gospel. And that's good news, because I'm sure there's a few of us in here who may not have had this miraculous story. I know there's, I know there's quite a few in here that do have this crazy story about how God saved them. And some of us, we grew up in a Christian home, and we just kind of, you know, our parents, you know, by the grace of God, they, uh, they raised us well, and there was kind of this easy, gradual, uh, you know, being saved, and that's, that's okay. But, you know, so if, you, if you've ever felt that way that you don't have a testimony, I want you to go here and realize it's not about your testimony because we, have, we all have this testimony. 
no matter what happened, we have this testimony that Christ lived, was perfect. He died in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried, and he was raised on the third day, and he is seated on the right hand of God, and he is there interceding for us right now. That's your testimony. That's all of our testimonies. So just like your, your testimony could change, but I want you to lean. I, we need to lean on what does the Scripture say. That's great news, I think. Also, Paul's testimony was a little bit different from what our testimony is because he actually saw Jesus. That's a great thing because he's like he's saying, Scripture said it was going to happen. It happened, and then I saw it. So we can rely on that. So the Christians here, when you want to share the gospel, think first and foremost of going to Scripture. And I want you to write, that, write this down and go to 1 Corinthians 15. Walk them through this. Lean on facts from Scripture. Don't rely just on your personal experience. Like I said, that is good, but go to Scripture for this. And if you're not a Christian, just know that the Bible can be trusted. It is just as real as what's going on right here in front of you. It's more real than that because it has eternal impacts. All right, how are we doing? That's week one of students, by the way. Week one of students, so light, light easy stuff. And they came back the next week, so, you know, that's a good thing, I guess. So that's the gospel. The second one, the second question that we have to answer is, what does God see when he sees us, when he sees you? So basically, if all this is true, which it is, what do we do with it? And how does God see us in light of this? The so what? So I want you to do something else with me. I want everybody to close their eyes. I'm going to keep mine open so I know who's, who has their eyes open. I'm just kidding. So keep your eyes closed. And I want you to picture the stage, the pulpit. And I want you to picture that I'm just gone. There's an empty pulpit up here. And now stands before you up here, Jesus. Imagine that Jesus is up here right now, just looking at us. And imagine he's looking at you. Out of all the people here, he's looking at you. What does his face look like towards you? What do you feel from him? Now imagine he breaks eye contact with you, and he's looking at everybody else. He's just looking around the room. What does his face look like? What's the vibe in the room? All right, you can open your eyes. So obviously what we saw in our minds is not Jesus, right? And Jesus isn't here with us, here physically with us. But we did this in students, and it's, it is interesting because this does tell us, uh, what it, like, how do we think God sees us? 
So what did it look like? What did his face look like towards you? Some people, um, maybe you felt love from him, and you felt just this overwhelming, he looks at you, and, and he just loves you. Maybe you felt, as one of our students said, radiance. There was like a radiant light and peace. Some of you may have seen uh, disappointment. We heard that as well. Or anger. Again, all these things are things that we think uh, God may be, how he may be looking at us. Uh, But we all want to get on the same page about how does he actually see us. So for that, we're going to go to Romans 8. Back in Romans. Couldn't escape it. Romans 8. So again, keep in mind with the idea of how does God, what does God see when he sees us? Romans 8 says, therefore, or there is therefore no condemnation. Say no condemnation with me. That is extremely good news. Only if, this next part, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's an if. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So this is important right here. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. So for to set the mind on the flesh, say flesh, is death. Say death. But to set the mind on the spirit, say spirit, is life. Say life. And peace. Say peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Here's the really, really good news. You however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the life, or excuse me, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Or because of righteousness, excuse me. So if you're a Christian today, or excuse me, if you're not a Christian today, Maybe this is the Spirit inviting you to walk in that life. Because you can't you can have that by walking in the Spirit. And what does that mean? What does it mean to be in Christ? We read that earlier, right? The Spirit of whom, him who, excuse me. Well, you kind of already saw the answer there. So it begs the question, what is the problem here? What is the problem that we see out of this? Did anybody catch the slide? We are. So God requires absolute perfection, absolute perfection. You know, the the common criticism of 
uh, of Christians is that, oh, they think they're perfect. And, you know, real Christians would answer, we are not perfect. Maybe some of us think we are, but we are not because we are actually the problem. And the problem is because aside from Christ and Him crucified, we cannot please God. If you are not, if you are in the flesh and you are not in the Spirit, you cannot please God. It doesn't matter what you do. You cannot please Him. But what's the solution? This is a good time to give the, the, uh, the church answer. So what's the solution? There we go. Give it all to Jesus. Give it all to Jesus. Your sin, your shame, your guilt, your time, your treasure, your talent. Give it all to Jesus because we need to hide in him for his perfection, not for ours. Rely on him. You don't have to turn here. I'll just, I'll just read. This is from Colossians 3.3. 3, for, uh, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. I love this. When your life is hidden in Christ, that means you are hiding in him. You are relying on him. Now, we ask the students this, uh, this classic Christian question. If you were to leave today, die, uh, and you're up with old St. Pete, and he's like, why should I let you in? Uh, what would your answer be? I think Paul preached on this a, a, a while back. If it's anything other than because of what that man did on that cross, I'm with him. It's not what I did. Nothing that I did. What he did. That's what it means to be hidden in Christ. We're about to go into Ephesians, and this just goes right along with it. Ephesians 2.13 says, But now in Christ Jesus... You who were once far off have been brought near, say brought near, by the blood of Christ. If you're far off today, you can be brought near through the blood of Christ. And even better than that, not only do we, are we forgiven from our sins, but Hebrews 8.12 says, For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. So not only... Does he forgive our sins, but he will remember our sins no more? As far as the east is from the west, our sins are removed. A fresh start. So what does God see when he sees you? So if you are in Christ Jesus, when God sees you, he sees his perfect son, Jesus. Meaning, if you are in Christ, you are covered. Again, if you rely on the flesh, it's death. If you rely on the Spirit, there is life. So when you closed your eyes earlier, if you, if you saw those life and peace and love, and you are in Christ, you saw correctly. But maybe those, those looks of, uh, or those feelings of condemnation, uh, if you're not in Christ, the Bible does say that you are a child of wrath. And so it is coming unless you turn. And it is, it is as easy but as costly as giving it all to Jesus, putting it all on him, hiding in him, relying on him.
there's a tradition for uh, refuge pastors to uh, sing at the end of their sermons. Y'all are liking these short sermons, aren't you? I have more good news. I am not going to sing. Thank you. I would probably lose half of the congregation. My students definitely would not come back, and like a country song, I would lose my wife and my dog. I'm just kidding. My dog would probably stay. But as I was prepping this, like we talked about, so going all through what we've been through with, uh, with the students, Scripture said it was going to happen. It happened. And then lastly, taste and see, just like similar to how Paul, he saw. Obviously, it's different. But rely first on Scripture. Know it happened, that he died for your sins, that he rose for you. That's the gospel. And then lastly, taste and see that he is good. Experience it. I think it's summed up. Again, I'm not going to sing it. But Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. And say it with me if you know the end. He washed it white as snow. That's the news I got for you all today. Sin has left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. So if you're outside of the household of faith today, I want to talk. There's lots of people here that want to talk to you. And if you're in Christ, rest in that. Rest knowing that you are covered because of his perfection and not yours. Let's pray.